Welcome to the Positive Impact Podcast, where we dive into the world of movers, shakers, and changemakers, creating a positive impact on the world. This is your host, Alexandra Black Pollock, and together we're going to tackle real issues, discovering how we can make the world a better place. This episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. Tired of the grocery store? Looking to spice up dinners? HelloFresh delivers delicious ingredients and easy recipes straight to your door. Take $40 off your first box at positiveimpactpodcast.com fresh. You'll be enjoying cooking again in no time. If you're looking to make an immediate impact, then today's show is for you. I'm excited to have joining us Olivier Commanda, founder of a brand new app hitting the market, Ideal Impact. This innovative app bridges the gap between stories we read on the news and our desire to help out through connecting readers to social impact opportunities. These organizations address the actual cause and issue from the article. Now, outside this incredible app, Olivier has an impressive background, including founder, Foreign Policy Digest, Truman National Security Project Fellow, and former speechwriter and senior advisor to Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. And my personal favorite, a long-standing sous chef of Miriam's Kitchen, a DC homeless service organization. Wow, Olivier, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you. Whew, that is a phenomenal resume you have behind you. Uh, thank you. Um, <laughs> it, it's not as impressive as it sounds, but <laughs> I, I appreciate it. Very humble. Before we dive into Ideal Impact, and I'm so excited to go there, I'm just curious, what was your role as speechwriter for Secretary of State Hillary Clinton like? Uh, it was a lot of long hours and late nights, uh, but certainly exciting work. Uh, the, the, the team was small, uh, and so we covered the full gamut of uh, international affairs, um, State Department, and, and some domestic policy uh, issues. Um, but it, you know, as you can imagine, it was a pretty fast paced environment, um, which I, you know, looking back on it, my wife says, I, uh, I liked telling people I was a speechwriter more than I liked being a speechwriter. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think it, it was a, it was a big learning curve for me, um, having come straight from law school, but an incredible opportunity to work with a really fascinating and um, enlightened and, and empowered team. Did you just say you went from law school to speechwriter? Yeah. So I, um, when I was in law school, I, I started this Foreign Policy Digest, which I think you, you, you mentioned in the intro, which kind of gave me an opportunity to try to explain international affairs to people who didn't necessarily have a background in it. And uh, the community of folks in, in D.C., I think, who were working with the secretary's team um, happened to hear about it. And by the time I graduated, I was uh, in the running for the fourth speechwriter position. Um, so I actually graduated from law school in May or late May or June, studied for the bar uh, all summer, took the bar on uh, like a Wednesday in August and then started at state, I think that Friday. Um, so didn't really take a lot of time off, but I think that kind of contributed to the excitement around the opportunity. I have to admit, I haven't met a lot of lawyers who turn into speech writers. So props to you. That's incredible. 
Oh, uh, thank you. Yeah, I think the the skills are, are more similar than you would imagine, right? At the end of the day, if you're writing a brief um, or writing a speech or making an argument, the lawyers and the speechwriters and writers who um, can tell a good story uh, are the ones, I think, who, who just um, can appreciate how all those are, are more similar than dissimilar. I wouldn't be surprised if there are other lawyers turn speechwriters out there. <laughs> well, I guess I've never looked at it that way. You are just telling a story and gaining public persuasion. Right. Absolutely. Now you go from law school to helping Secretary of State Hillary Clinton tell her story. And now you're in this app, this app that is helping people go from reading these stories to actually creating change. Can you walk us through where this idea came from? Yeah, so it's it's kind of a long story. Um, <laughs> it always is, imagine. right? <laughs> it, it is. I'll try to be as succinct as possible. Uh, so essentially, like I, when I graduated from college, uh, I moved back to D.C. and had started volunteering with this homeless services organization called Miriam's Kitchen. And, you know, providing food to someone who needs it is just incredibly powerful. Um, but I think I and a lot of other volunteers and, and a lot of the staff of the organization the advocacy element of uh, homeless services work. And, and this organization had uh, had just started to build uh, an advocacy campaign or advocacy team. Um, you know, having some experience uh, serving in elected office and like really kind of been fascinated by like what engages people and what helps them or what information helps them determine how they spend their time, whether it's consumer decisions or political decisions. Um, I really wanted to help out with this advocacy campaign. And uh, the campaign started as a way to lobby the city government to put more money behind uh, homeless services. The goal is to influence the decision makers. And in D.C., um, our, our city council at the time was really only going to take this up if there, if we were able to show popular support behind it. Um, and it just so happened that, like at the same time, the New York Times had been working on this incredible long-form story about the life of this 12-year-old girl in New York, um, and it was the kind of piece that just made people appreciate the individual people who suffer from homeless homelessness. You know, I started seeing people who I had never really known had expressed an interest in um, homelessness, looking for ways to engage and to help not just the families in the story, but uh, other families affected by homelessness. And for me, that was the opportunity where it clicked, where seeing everyone commenting and sharing and lamenting the state of homelessness uh, and knowing that, you know, in our city that there was this campaign that was looking to capitalize on that energy and direct it towards a, a positive cause. It's so great that you took that moment where others might have been just frustrated that, you know, they have this cause and now they have all these people who want to support but don't have the gap. Rather than being frustrated, you really look to build a bridge. Yeah, I think that I think that's absolutely right. And the it, it's really about kind of resolving that inefficiency because um, nonprofits and advocacy groups spend an inordinate amount of time trying to find people who care about their issue. You know, people share stories that matter to them. If there was some way to capture that inspiration and that energy when people are sharing stories or, or uh, on social media about issues they care about, 
um, with the organizations that are on the front lines of social change, right, that are, are trying to identify people who care about their issue, that you would have an incredible uh, capacity to bridge that gap and engage people in the work that uh, is really important and much needed. It really is fascinating how all these different events happen and people want to be so supportive from even just campaigns, the Ice Bucket Challenge took over the entire U.S. When Nepal had their earthquake, Facebook stepped up to enable people to activate and donate. And you're looking to take that exact same momentum and make it easier. Right. The technology serves two purposes, right? It helps to facilitate that connection. But the larger goal is to help people think about engaging in the news more actively, right? Like reading the news should be an active experience, not a passive one. And if we're successful in facilitating that connection where people, you know, read a story and all and, and immediately think, all right, well, what are my options to engage as opposed to just like lamenting the state of the world? Um, we think that that hopefully will change the way people think about the news broadly um, and hopefully get some of the media players to uh, adapt the way that they write and engage their readers as well. Reading the news should be active and not passive. That is an incredible marching order for everyone. <laughs> yes. Yeah, indeed. What we're, try we're trying to recruit uh, troops every day. So let's get this straight. In order to do this, you need to activate society to understand that when they read these stories, they can take part. You're getting the media to readjust the way that they write stories and go about influencing change. How does this all happen? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> for, for Ideal Impact, there are kind of two ways to think about it. Um, we could either approach media companies directly and say, hey, Vox or Huffington Post or New York Times, uh, for every article that touches on a social issue, you should present the readers with options to engage. The challenge for any organization, whether it's a small organization like a startup like mine, the, the challenge is the time for a decision to trickle through uh, any of these big companies, bureaucracies, you know, that can take like a year or two years. And and so we thought that the, the real test would be, well, why don't you provide a platform that lets the individual consumer make that determination, um, which is why we ended up launching this mobile app. And the mobile app really tries to engage people directly. So the app is on your phone. People spend an inordinate amount of time on their phones uh, for no particular reason. We can take that time and make that pitch directly to the individual to say, hey, if you're really motivated by that story, um, what you do is you essentially share that article with Ideal Impact the same way you would share it with Facebook or Twitter. Sharing an article with us gives you recommendations to volunteer, donate, sign petitions, and advocate for the issues that you care about. Let's dig into the actual app just a little bit. Myself as a user, what can I expect once I download it? Or how am I supposed to use this app to help further the causes that I support? So there, there are two main ways. One, you can once you download the app, you can actually just load it organically like any other app. And what we've done is the when the app loads, you'll see a list of kind of the top news stories deal with social issues, right? So we choose probably like five or so a day. And so if you click on any one of those news stories, you know whether it's a, a immigration or shooting uh, or whichever the story is, um, we have 
ways to engage. So petitions to sign and places to volunteer and jobs to apply for. And the the other way to, to use the app is actually, as I mentioned, um, is more um, uh, indirect when you're reading the news in some, some other app, right? With the New York Times app or and Facebook and a story pops up and you're just curious as to what opportunities are out there. That's where you can actually just share the article with our app along the same lines. You'll see the ways to engage directly um, with that particular news story. I currently have the app open. So to give our listener an idea of the type of things that show up on the app, currently I'm looking at a story about the shooting in San Bernardino, questioning how effective Giving Tuesday is, as well as the tragedy from Paris. Now, when I activate this app and I go to support, how can me as a user feel confident in the organizations that I'm partnered with? Yeah, so this is really important. Um, What we wanted to do was create an environment where uh, the opportunities that we list on the app have been essentially vetted by our community and and, um, our network. So we started with 300 organizations in D.C., which were the highest rated um, nonprofit and advocacy organizations uh, in the city. Uh, And then as we started to scale uh, regionally and nationally, we tried to identify what those metrics were that make engagement successful. There's a formula to that. There's a way that they engage their volunteers. There's a way that they tell their story that we think exists part of that recipe for success that other organizations, whether they're in Albuquerque or New York or Philadelphia or or Paris, for example, um, they'll all exhibit the same types of engagement. And so our goal is to like try to replicate that formula in different cities and find the places, the organizations and and the individuals that are doing really interesting work. Um, And the nonprofit organizations that we promote and list have been uh, vetted by Charity Navigator, GuideStar, and other um, evaluative programs. And it's by organizations that do this professionally. Um, so we're not necessarily in the business of checking people's Form 990s. Uh, there are tons of organizations that do that. But the goal is really to get people to invest in submitting opportunities to the site and just have the crowd um, identify the best opportunities in the same way that Yelp does that for restaurants and, and other professional services. That's a lot of back work to make sure these organizations that we're supporting are really good. <laughs> yeah, and you know, we, you don't get it right all the time, but the, the goal is um, to have people say, you know, hey, I, I volunteered here, I advocated here, I signed this petition, and um, and we reach out to folks and saying, all right, well, was that a meaningful experience? Would you recommend it? And and I think we are building that um, validating network so that we get it right um, the next time. I have to point out, because this is just, I'm having a hard time grappling with this. This shooting in San Bernardino, as of this recording, was two days ago. Yet already you guys have a way that users can activate and help that cause and address that issue. How did that happen so fast? You know, this, we knew that this was going to be an issue that people cared about. It was, uh, and, and the goal, our goal is to be as responsive to the news as we can. Um, and right now it's just me. So, um, <laughs> it's just, I wake up in the morning and I, and I identify like all the, the different types of stories that are, 
um, rising to national attention. Unfortunately, when some of these tragedies occur, like we have already established that these organizations are ready to mobilize and ready to engage people um, in some of these like larger efforts. In terms of being able to respond quickly, I think that's just going to be a function of the the growth and scale of our team. Um, but as much as we can automate, we can. And to the rest of it is just, you know, a function of waking up early and reading a whole lot of newspapers. <laughs> you must subscribe everywhere. <laughs> yeah, you know, and for a while uh, I was doing print subscriptions, but that just it doesn't make any sense. That's not environmentally friendly at this point. Um, so, your poor delivery boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have uh, a lot of e-subscriptions now, which just makes w- way more sense. And also, let's focus on that sad reality that within the last week or two alone, we've had two shootings. So, you already knew those organizations, and you were able to connect those causes. Right. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, the. That I, you know, the way you phrase it, it is kind of that sad reality that um, we have to be to, to think ahead as to like what are what are the types of issues and um, challenges that we're going to face uh, in the future. Um, and uh, it is a shame that some of these tend to pop up, and 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 you know, gun violence um, happens to be one of the ones this year that is more cyclical, obviously, than, than we would like. Um, but, you know, the goal of this is really to engage people to start um, advocating for the issues that they support. And to the extent that we have a user base that cares about this issue, we, you know, we want to connect people and, and facilitate, um, facilitate that engagement. You've talked a lot about kind of your future goals and how it's currently you, but the future is bright. Can you dive into a little bit of what you see as a future of this movement and this app? Yeah, so the the what we are hopefully going to announce when this is uh, when this interview is live is that we are starting a fellowship program, and the fellowship program will be a way for anyone who has between five and ten hours a week um, to engage with us and help organize. Uh, social impact opportunities um, and recruit more um, users and organizations into our community. And so we, uh, a couple weeks ago, we had our launch event uh, panel discussion on how to join a nonprofit board, which we think kind of speaks to um, just one of the broader ways that people can engage on social issues and provide their skills and experiences. And so we want to do more of those events, um, not just in D.C., but in you know every city that's got people who care about social impact issues. Uh, and so the fellowship is really geared around um, inviting people and drawing people into the fold who get it, right? Who don't, who 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 can read the byline and say, "All right, I see what you're trying to do. I believe that reading the news should be an active experience, and I want." To live a life in line with my values and like engage other people who want to do that as well. So we think the fellowship is going to be really powerful in drawing people into the fold uh, and you know telling our story and allowing this to grow outside of some of the initial assumptions that I had because you know I by no means have answered all the uh, 
all the questions about what ideal impact should look like, you know, I, I want this to be something that um, people have invested in and like made their own. Um, and so we're really excited about opening it up. When you describe drawing in people who get it, I know that a lot of your target demographic is millennials. What are you seeing today in terms of millennials and generosity? So this, this is an interesting question, right? Because I think we're at a point now where um, there's a, a generational shift in terms of how people think about engagement and service. Whereas before, you know, the the there was almost an assumption that there were three phases to your life, right? Learn, earn, return, right? So the first phase is, you know, go to school, um, learn as much as you can. The second phase, earning, is, you know, getting a job and providing for your family. And the third phase is returning. Um, so that's when, that's where the phrase kind of giving back comes from, right? Is like after the house is paid off and the kids have graduated from college, uh, that was the time typically where folks look to support their community, um, and and the reality is that um, now we don't, particularly millennials, don't think about the world in that way anymore, right? The the ability to affect the world and, and shape the world um, is not really a function of age or income. It's just like your intensity of purpose. And I think the the reality is that every day we read the news and. and we just have more information about what's going on than we ever did before, but we actually have greater tools that allow us to uh, directly shape the world we live in. So the rise of civic tech and crowdfunding, um, open data, and all these other initiatives make it that much easier for us to engage on a daily basis uh, in a way that I don't think was true before. And so even the definition of you know, philanthropy, which is essentially, I think the Greek term, acts of love towards your fellow man, is something that everyone can do and should do, and it's not exclusively um, limited to people who have tremendous wealth. Uh, and we think millennials get that because you know, they are starting to see the world in that way. Your ability to make an impact isn't limited to the cycle of learn, earn, return. It is directly tied to the intensity of purpose. That gives me chills. <laughs> That's exciting. That's activating. And that is exactly what you're hoping to do with Ideal Impact is activate. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, because we think, you know, everyone should everyone should be able to have their ideal impact, quote unquote, and identify like the, the skills and experiences that they have that are just unique to them that the world needs to see and feel and experience. And, um, and that's where the name came from. Now we're going to both go from changing the way we read the news to hopefully changing the type of news that is reported because we limit some of this cyclic violence and terror and other things that are impacting our society right now. Absolutely. This is absolutely an incredible mission. Before jumping into the rapid fire, a quick resource and tool for you as you grow your business. One of the most challenging things out there can be around branding and marketing and really telling your story in a way that resonates with customers. To help, we've built a comprehensive ideal customer worksheet to help you walk through all the different steps in identifying your customer. Download your free copy at 
positiveimpactpodcast.com slash branding. Hang out with us there and you're also going to find information about a brand new branding guide for young businesses, all giving you the tools to make that positive impact in your business. And now for that rapid fire. Life is a balance of work, passion, and adventure. Can you tell us about a recent adventure or excursion you've gone on? Yeah, so uh, a few, it was a few weeks ago, I went skydiving with uh, a friend of mine, um, and it, it was the third time I've gone. I was trying to articulate like what I was so passionate about or what's so exciting about skydiving, and I think it's just like a surreal experience that the human body isn't prepared for. Uh, and, and it's extremely frightening, uh, but you have to like talk yourself into it all the way until the part where you jump out of a plane or someone pushes you out of a plane. Um, but like once you have overcome that fear, you just feel incredibly empowered to take on like any other challenge uh, because nothing can be more frightening than jumping out of a plane. Right. So, so, I mean, that's, that's certainly, I mean, I'm, that's certainly one of the experiences I would, I would recommend um, to anyone who has the ability to do it, it'll certainly change your perspective on what you can and can't accomplish. You say the body's not prepared for it. I'm going to argue that the body's not designed for it. Yeah, no, there are lots of precautions because we're we're not built to fall from planes. <laughs> no, I, I tend uh, <laughs> to like the seatbelt feature in planes that prevents that from happening. <laughs> oh, my husband actually just went a couple of weeks ago, so... Oh, we're, great. We're considering me doing it in the future. As of right now, I, that is one activity I have yet to do. <laughs> um, we definitely put it on the list. <laughs> Many social entrepreneurs find solace in tranquility in the outdoors. How have you found this beneficial in both your life and your work? So uh, I have the benefit of living maybe like a 20-minute walk from Rock Creek Park in Washington, D.C. It, it's like an incredible getaway that, you know, when you think about what it means to like live in D.C., the pressure, the stress, the politics, you know, everything that makes the city exciting can really take it out from you emotionally. And I think the ability to just like walk down to Rock Creek Park with my dog and, you know, go for an hour-long walk and feel totally immersed in nature is incredibly re restorative. Um, and I think, you know, particularly folks who are venturing out on their own need to find ways to just get away for some period of time, whether it's like, if you can do it every day, that's great. Although not many of us can, um, but at least like once a week, just disconnect for a bit and, and having the ability to go out in nature leave the phone behind um, is just incredibly important for your mental health. Using nature to battle the stress of DC. Love it. What book do you recommend to others who want to make a socially minded impact? I would actually recommend uh, The Phantom Tollbooth um, by uh, Norton Juster, um, which is this fanciful story about this kid named Milo and just the adventures of creativity and what creativity can provide and the doors that it opens. I think for a lot of entrepreneurs or social entrepreneurs, um, it's just such hard work that we tend to get a little too uh, focused on the details of uh, how to make uh, certain problems go away and, and, and fix the most immediate solutions, whether it's programming or fundraising or payroll. Um, but I think 
the really important experience is, is, is using your creativity um, and allowing it to flourish because that's really what opens doors and helps you see solutions you otherwise wouldn't. So definitely uh, the Phantom Toll Booth. That is not the first time that we've had a children's book recommended. I love it. Actually, Jonathan Zaidman from One to One Movement recommended The Little Prince. Oh, yeah. That's my wife's favorite. (laughs) Oh, so it must be exactly as you said it. As social entrepreneurs, sometimes we just need a different perspective and a more lighthearted way to look at the issues. Indeed. Indeed. What advice do you have for recent grads looking for a meaningful career? Uh, I think, you know, the answer to that question changes over time. Uh, I think 20 years ago, uh, the assumption was that uh, you would, you know, find a job that pays the bills. um, And over time, you would grow to love it and, and grow into that career um, and have that become a really important part of how you identify yourself. I think now we have uh, just a different mindset in terms of how we relate to work and how work relates to our personal and professional goals. So I, I think it's much more acceptable now to take some time to figure out what of the different types of interests you have, like you can explore and develop an expertise in knowing that you don't have to be tied to any one thing. Um, you know, the, the great value of being hyper-connected and networked is uh, you have the opportunity to hop around to delve into um, different areas of expertise that you may be interested in, um, but also see the connections between, you know, work that you're doing, whether you're interested in legal legal work for human rights or civil rights cases, but also technology, policy, advocacy, communications, you know, all of these different, what used to be different and disparate industries now kind of come together. What role has mentorship played in your success with Ideal Impact? Uh, Mentorship has played an incredibly important role, but I think it's not what we in the startup or social entrepreneurship scene traditionally think of mentoring. Like there are lots of metrics that you can Google to find, you know, what are the different elements that you should uh, look for in a mentor or previous experience and success or a record of failure or, you know, um, there are a whole bunch of different characteristics that supposedly make for a great mentor. But I think at the end of the day, it's really just someone who has experienced some of what you've experienced and is willing to listen and guide you through uh, just the process of venting. Um, I have two friends, one of which is a great friend from high school and another friend from college who have been down this road of trying to create something from nothing. And I think, you know, the ability to just call them and vent, uh, and just talk about what's going on and having the level of comfort for them uh, to say, listen, everything you're going through, I've been through, it's hard work, but it's totally, normal to feel what you're feeling like that I think has been incredibly helpful for ideal impact um, and probably more so than sort of the technical expertise that that we look for from mentors and advisors it's just the ability to, to uh, chat with someone and talk to someone about what's going on in the process of building this company telling you that it's totally normal what you're going through that is really powerful yeah I mean, startups are a roller coaster, and you've got to have some reassurance at that bottom. 
Yeah, indeed, indeed, because um, <laughs> it gets tough. Is there a mantra or a motto that has guided your work? Uh, don't quit. <laughs> um, sort of to piggyback off the last question, I think uh, there are ups and downs, and you know the biggest challenge is not knowing where you are in that life cycle, right? So if, if you're running a marathon, you know it's 26.2 miles, and you, whether you're at mile three or mile 18, um, you know exactly how much left you have in the tank and, and like what's needed to get to the, the finish line. The challenge with um, starting a company is there's no set course. Uh, and so um, just committing to solving the problem that you're working on and doing whatever it takes and, um, and not giving up when things get really hard is, is probably the most important thing and part of the reason why uh, we finally were able to release our mobile app after two years of, uh, of building this company and this product. Two years of building. Man, I bet you that your mantra of don't quit was totally essential to get you where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm so excited about this, and I know that there's so many different ways that our listeners out there can make a positive impact in their everyday what advice do you have for that listener who wants to go out to do something powerful today? You know, I think the, the biggest challenge to, to um, taking the time to, to really have impact uh, in your community is that just life is hectic. We have other competing responsibilities, um, work, family, um, and everything else in between, all those tiny little tasks that over the course of the day add up to just basically suck all our free time and mental capacity. And, you know, the, the most important thing, I think, is like finding room to be conscious about your decision making. Um, you know, for people who care about the environment or homelessness or any social issue, um, there are ton, tons of little moments during the day where you can have an opportunity to make someone else's life better, right? Take some small initiative. Um, and it doesn't need to be quitting your job and, and, and you know, rescuing refugees, uh, but it's something as small as, you know, supporting organizations that are buying and, and uh, selling products uh, that have been made ethically. You know, so conscious consumerism, um, taking the time, if you're reading a news story that really means something to you, like take the time to do some research and figure out who the legislators are who are working on the policy or what organizations have been referenced in that news article and follow up and say, you know, I read this story, I'm really interested and, you know, I don't know exactly what I want to do, but I want to make this connection and take that first step. Um, and so it, the the real challenge is like being able to step back and, and think about all the tiny little decisions we make um, and appreciate them as opportunities to live a life in line with our values because um, that is how we start making a little dent. And if we each try a little bit um, every day, that adds up and that has tremendous impact on the way that we relate to our community um, and how we make a community that is in line with our values. Olive, that is so important. Just a great reminder to be intentional about our day and find little things that we can do to make that positive impact. Oh, today has been 
truly inspiring. And for all of our listeners who are just fired up about Ideal Impact, how do they get involved? Yeah, so you can go to www.idealimpact.org, and that has information about uh, where you can download our app for mobile, uh, Android, and and iOS. Um, You can follow us on social media, uh, and we're actually opening up, uh, we're starting up, uh, online fellowship as well. So if you if you want to give a couple hours a week um, to help us build this community and find opportunities, uh, definitely go to the website. Um, we have uh, many different ways that people can get involved. Exciting things on the horizon. Thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Well, movers and shakers, I hope you're totally inspired and fired up by this new way to read the news and get engaged with the issues that matter. I have to tell you, I have the app and it is a pretty cool experience. For all of today's show notes and the resources mentioned, head on over to our show notes page at podsofimpactpodcast.com slash idealimpact. For two free audio downloads, thanks to Audible, head on over to our recommended readings page at positiveimpactpodcast.com slash goodreads. There you'll find the Phantom Toll Booth and all of the other recommended reading from our guests thus far. Until next time, keep doing your part to make the world a better place. Music.